0: antidepressants can actually be helpful for hot flashes. We use them in women who have a contraindication to hormone therapy for estrogen. So sometimes I will prescribe valoxifene or something for hot flashes and it can be helpful. But like the rate of antidepressant use in from a woman in her twenties to her forties goes up 400%. So, and I'm like, wait a minute, not that many women are getting depressed. (laughs) You know, like we're just throwing antidepressants at menopause, you know, and that's not the gold standard of therapy. So there's not evidence to say that women or four times as many women are getting depressed. That is not it. It's just we're overusing them in an effort to not, we're not understanding what is going on with her. So there's a total lack of education and training in, in diagnosing the nuances of perimenopause and menopause, recognizing the symptoms that may be not be that common and being able to discuss and offer treatment.
1: Hey friends, it's Michelle Lamoureux and welcome back to the Good Life Coach Podcast. Today you are in for a treat because I think many of us have that belly fat that we don't know what to do with and we don't know how to manage the hormonal symptoms that are caused by perimenopause and menopause. And joining us today is a rock star OBGYN. Her name is Dr. Mary Claire Haver and she's a not only as GYN but also a certified culinary medicine specialist, which is super cool. She developed her groundbreaking weight loss protocol as an online subscriber program through which she's developed, helped thousands of women lose weight, burn fat, and get in shape permanently. Dr. Haver lives with her husband and two daughters in Galveston, Texas, and is the author of the wildly popular, The Galveston Diet, apparently named after where you live. (laughs) Welcome, Dr. Haver. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to have you. And I just always do this if it's health-related, today's conversations for educational and entertainment purposes only. This is not intended to be medical advice. So consult with your trusted healthcare provider. Um, You've created quite a movement in a short period of time. I've had a lot of fun watching you and learning from you. I know that you have about 3 million followers on social and you've had over 100,000 women go through your online program Which makes me so happy for you as like another woman, you know, doing her thing in the world. But also, what it says to me is that women were desperate for this information. Can you speak to this a bit?
0: Yes. I, you know, was so let's go back to 2016, 2017. I was in my late 40s. I was a traditional OBGYN. I also worked at an academic institution. So I divided my time between teaching medical students and residents and then having kind of a very robust private practice. So, plus, I at that time, my girls were like preschool, I mean, middle school and early high school. And, you know, I was just busy, mom working. I was like working at my limit, but I had been aging at the same time. As my patients. So, you know, I came out into practice. We all got pregnant together. We had babies together. We raised our kids together. It's a small town, you know, with a big academic institution. And they were starting to complain of the same thing over and over again. I'm gaining weight. I don't know why. I'm gaining weight. I don't know why. I'm having some symptoms. I'm like, well, you're not menopausal yet. Now I do the blood work. You're not there yet. You're still having periods. There's nothing we can do. And because that's what I was taught. And So it took kind of happening to me (laughs) when I, my menopause hit, I kind of had, and I talk about it in the book in more detail. Um, My brother got really sick and passed away. I had gotten off of birth control right at that time to kind of see where I was at menopause wise, late in my late forties. And it all kind of hit me at once. And my grief was, I expressed my grief, you know, when he passed away as, you know, just overeating, lots of processed carbohydrates, drinking way too much wine in the night just to get myself to sleep and not cry. And um, so put on 20 pounds from that. So then, you know, once the grief lifted and I was ready to kind of get back into life, I went back to all the things that I told my patients to do and that I actually had done like after having kids to, to get the weight off and yeah. it wasn't working. Yeah. At the same time, I was having horrific menopausal symptoms, hot flash, you know, the ones I could recognize right away, hot flashes, disrupted sleep was horrible, you know, mood swings. I was having brain fog, but other things were happening that even as an OB-GYN, I did not recognize as potential menopausal symptoms. I was having tremendous hip and joint pain Um, and a new occurrence of headaches. And so I just was like, what's going on? I don't understand. I can't lose this weight, you know? And so I being type A, like doubled down at the gym, I was doing two days. (laughs) I was calorie restricting to like 900 calories, like ridiculous amounts. And my husband had to like tap me on the shoulder and say, babe, you know, I love you. I don't care what size you are. You look amazing. You know, he said, but you know what you tell us, you tell me and you tell the kids, you can't keep doing the same action and expect a different outcome when it, you've been doing this for a while now, it's not working. So you're a smart girl, figure this out. Wow. And so I, I took that. that as a challenge. Yeah, was like, all right. So I picked up the phone and called the PhD nutritionist at the university I was employed at at the time I was like, what is going on in menopause? Why is this <laughs> happening? And so that just brought me, that was the beginning, which brought me down this rabbit hole of what is happening To our bodies as far as nutrition, and so I learned a ton about chronic inflammation and how that begins to rise dramatically at the menopause transition. Like, like I basically my menopause education had ended at my residency in two thousand and two, and that was also the same year that the WHI study had come out, which basically scared everyone to death to never give hormone therapy, and so or we would kill people, you know. Well. There's been evidence for years to discredit that, but no one talks about it. No one in my world was talking about it. No one, it wasn't in the journals we were expected to keep up with and read to keep our certification up. And so I start just going down rabbit hole after rabbit hole. And I'm like, we're doing this wrong. Like we've left a whole generation of women behind who are suffering probably needlessly, who could have so many options for treatment all we're doing is telling them calories in calories out. There's so much more to like maintaining your weight and homeostasis than just what, you know, how many calories you're eating a day and how many you're burning. And so that's kind of how that was the nut, the brainchild, you know, where it all began there. So, you know, from my research, I started looking at, you know, how can I lower inflammation, chronic inflammation? Because I knew my hip was on fire with um nutrition and so that's kind of how i got the tenants of the nutrition program so if i could go back in time and do anything different it would be to not call it a diet in medicine diet is a pattern of eating it is not are you on a diet it is what is your diet you know yes. and so when i named it i was thinking like mediterranean diet like no one poops on that you know True. but i didn't know it would become this thing i didn't know it would blow up it was for my patients <laughs> i mean it was for I me and my that. girlfriends and that. So, you know, and it it was a medical thing. It was a prescription I was giving to my patients. And so here, try this. Let me know how it works. And it really grew absolutely organically and spontaneously from my clinic And then when I took it to social media, it exploded. So for me on social, what happened with the millions of followers, you know, what started as a conversation around nutrition and menopause and weight gain and body composition, all the changes that are happening, exploded into a just general conversation about menopause, the gaps in our knowledge, the gaps in our education, what's happening in society, why we're being dismissed, the ageism, the, you know misogyny, the, the, all the things, you know, and, and I kind of lived in a bubble. I was a happy mom and, you know, I had a nice little practice. And so I just isolated myself and like, like to answer a very long answer to your question, you know, I just saw my patients in the office. I didn't know what everyone else was going through. My girlfriends didn't talk about it that much. My patients did complain and I was like, we can do hormones, but there's a risk, you know, um, eat less and work out more. I mean, it was just kind of this ah, sorry. And once I got on social media and read the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of comments about women's struggles, I was like absolutely blown away and that has been my motivation to keep going with this. You know, the nutrition program is there, it's great, it's wonderful, but like I am like building, I'm writing a new book on menopause
1: and treatment
0: options and therapy and what to expect, like something you would hand a 30-year-old woman to be like, get ready, read this. So you are informed, you know what your options are, you know what to look for. And so that you can make changes, build new habits that are going to keep you healthier through this transition.
1: Well, thank you for the work you're doing. And you're fun. You're so much fun. I'm not surprised that you're so popular. Like,
0: I, do you have a theater background at all? Like, you, um, do? a tiny way. I do actually I see it in you. I was like, she had I mean, some theater history. School. I just, but I yeah. was like, I was winning, st- you know, oh God, I haven't even thought about that in so long. But, you know, I was big in our drama stuff in high school and I was like winning state tournaments and went to nationals a couple of times and was in a couple of movies, tons of commercials when i was I younger and then then went to med school you I know so it. it's like this is like the perfect you know you get to use my doctor brain my drama brain my you know and it's just everything's come together now for me in my 50s so yeah. i don't know if you poor don lemon is getting beat up right now for saying that we're not in our prime but i'm like I, all of this has been built from 50 from 49 plus for me
1: you i know? loved your post i read it and actually i had just seen him you know, that clip. And I was like, I, this is unbelievable that he's saying this, you know, and that you could see his co-anchor visibly upset. Mm-hmm. Did you see her? Like, she was like incredulous. She's like, did you just say that, that women just come
0: out of your mouth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like
1: you could see, I'll have to maybe link that in the show notes. so People know what we're talking about, or just I'll link your comment on it. Cause that was brilliant. Um, But I had a feeling you had a theater background. Cause I was like, there's something about the way you are in front of the camera that's so genuinely like natural and lit up in such a good way I'm like she's got some theater thing going on here I (laughs) had a feeling so anyway that was just a little tangent but I just was that was my own curiosity because I could see it in you so I think it's so nice that you've taken all your different skill sets and combined them to like really empower women um I don't even know if I, I must be in perimenopause. I'm 52. I'm just starting to see symptoms, but I get a fairly regular period. So you had written in your book that, and I found this interesting that everyone's, every woman's experience with perimenopause is actually, it is different. So does this make it hard for women to get the care they need? Is this part
0: of the disconnect we're seeing? Okay. Can you speak on this? Absolutely. So several things are happening at this time. One, there's not a uniform presentation other than cessation of periods, right? And then, but there we've now identified about 40 symptoms that are absolutely linked to menopause. The other thing is that a lot of these symptoms can overlap other conditions. So hypothyroidism, autoimmune disease. So, and there's been this general dismissal. I wrote an essay about this and I'm kind of calling out myself, but I'll, I'll be honest and share it. When I was in medical school and training When a woman in her 40s, you know, came in uh, 50s and was complaining of very vague symptoms of lethargy, um, being tired, not sleeping, maybe a hot flash or two, gaining weight, you know, mood swings, we called it a WW. What's that? Whining woman. Oh, thank you for being honest about that. And I want to die now. You know, I I was taught to me, and so we didn't wait, write it wait, in a chart. Can I just slow this down? Because seriously, you were literally taught this. What in medical school? Like or? it was like it was something kind of just said in the back hallway. You know, you would never write it in a chart. You would never, but it would be like, you know, you your colleague would say, "Hey, you got a WW in room three. Get ready." Because you, the thought was, this is an emotional thing. You're never going to get her mm-hmm. better. It was immediate dismissal because this was her, she was depressed or this was psychological and there was, this was not a medical thing. This was all in her head.
1: Oh, wow. That's Mm -hmm. really important. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think a lot of women are going to feel validated just Mm -hmm. by
0: the fact that you said that. So, and that's why like people are so quick to prescribe any antidepressants in this situation. Um, One, there is, you know, antidepressants can actually be helpful for hot flashes. We use them in women who have a contraindication to hormone therapy for estrogen. So sometimes I will prescribe valoxifene or something for hot flashes and it can be helpful, but like the rate of antidepressant use in from a woman in her twenties to her forties goes up 400%. So, and I'm like, wait a minute, not that many women are getting depressed, (laughs) you know, like we're just throwing antidepressants at menopause, you know, and that's not, the, that's not the gold standard of therapy. So there's not evidence to say that women or four times as many women are getting depressed. That is not it. It's just we're overusing them in an effort to not, we're not understanding what is going on with her. So there's a total lack of education and training in, in diagnosing the nuances of perimenopause and menopause, recognizing the symptoms that may be not be that common and being able to discuss and offer treatment.
1: I I am so grateful that you've stepped out of the conventional way of practicing and like you're also educating and you're like a social media influencer now and doing all this stuff because what you're saying now, what you're doing online, the information you're sharing is validating women. It's empowering them with information that they can actually go to their doctors and have a better conversation around. And you're providing solutions through something they can control. In this case, we'll call it the, life, the Galveston lifestyle, if you want, instead of diet, because this is all within their reach. This is all within like the, the kitchen, in a way, or just you know managing sleep and inflammation. And I want to get into this. Um, but I also do see a trend, because I've interviewed very many different kinds of doctors on the show, And it seems like the medical system has been this patriarchal system. So much of the research has been historically on men only. And then it was just like in the 90s that, oh, it's like, oh, we we should probably start studying women.
0: (laughs) And and that takes a while to reach clinical practice, if I understand correctly. Exactly. So the other thing that's happening in women's health is I did an experiment two, three weeks ago. And I was like, I wonder, let me see what happens here. So PubMed is a a repository of research data um of research articles and it's published by the National Institutes of Health the NIH and so whenever i'm looking for something i go there type in a search term and then you know 10,000 articles come up and i start digging yeah um i'm there every day okay okay i go i wonder how what for women's health how much is pregnancy focused i know you know Pregnancy is important. I'm not yes. denying that. I learned yes. that I can deliver a baby upside down, backwards, inside out. Like, <laughs> I've saved so many lives, you know, not to be dramatic, but like very, very important stuff. So, I typed in the word pregnancy. And, and so, this is articles from the 1700s. Like, they go back as far as research articles have been made. Okay. 1.1 million articles on pregnancy research, like peer reviewed research articles. Like, yay. Okay. Yes. Stuff. So, yes. then I just typed in menopause. 94,000. Wow. So it's about 10 to one, a little more than 10 to one. And and that holds even in the last 10 years. So why are we investing our our brain research, our time, our energy, our money into pregnancy and not, and when more women are going to go through menopause than bear children, and we can make just as much of an impact on a woman's health in her menopause because she spends a third of her life there and we can dramatically improve the quality of her life, you know, and yes. every single article on menopause that is published in the last 10 years says we need more research. We need more research.
1: Well, you've done it with at least you've got a roadmap <laughs> for nutrition and, and cause your, your plan can actually help reduce hot flashes, help women sleep, get rid of the belly fat. I, I love, I have a, I love my doctors. I have to say, I really, I feel like I'm in good care. However, one of them told me, I asked her, I said, Hey, this last year, I'm just getting this like belly, you know, like it seems like the weight is redistributed. It it wants to be around my belly and on my my backside. And she said, well, there's nothing you can do about the belly fat, but that's not true. That's not true.
0: That's not true. So, um, we definitely see, okay. So um, There's a really elegant article, and it's it's on my social right now, where I talk about where they documented. They followed 1700 women. It was the Swans. They looked at the Swan data. That's another big, big, big study done on women, and they followed them for years. And uh, 1700 women, and they followed them for I think 17 years from premenopause, perimenopause, postmenopause. Right. Okay. And they they followed their weight and their BMI. They also put them in DEXA scanners and measured their body fat composite, their body composition. So what we know is there's a linear rise in weight gain. So you'll see even famous OBGENs saying menopause is not related to weight gain. Okay. But it doesn't mean we're not gaining weight. Okay. Women are gaining weight at a rate (laughs) average of one to two, one to 1.5 pounds per year, starting at about age 35. And it levels off at about age 65. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so that is unrelated. That slope doesn't change with menopause, but here's what's changing and dramatically. your body composition. So you are losing muscle accelerated the two to three years before your period stops. There's an inflection in the curve. The slope goes up dramatically and you are um, gaining body fat. Okay. Dramatically. So you are exchanging fat for muscle. If you do everything, if you have, if you're in this amazing, Plan at 35, you're just living your life, doing everything like I was, like we all were. You know, I got this, I'm good. And then all of a sudden, you're like, wham, what's this? You know, I (laughs) haven't done anything different. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, this was never taught to me. That article was published in 2021. This is new information, but this has been going on since the beginning of time. And no one ever recognized it that the woman's body composition is changing dramatically in relation to when her period stops. And so and it's leading to dramatic changes in her health. So yes, there are things you can do. So if your listeners take nothing away from this, um, the top, you know, these are things that are studied. So different ways to measure visceral or belly fat. One is the DEXA scan. That's a gold standard, but not everybody has access to that. A really kind of easy way is called the waist-hip ratio. And I talk yeah. about it in the book, yeah. where you measure the tiniest part of your waist and the widest part of your hips around your butt. And you, you divide those two with waist divided by hip, right? Just the way you're built. And if it's less than 0.7, seven, you're good. You probably don't have a lot of visceral, visceral or intra abdominal fat. Okay, which is the dangerous fat.
1: If it's the other kind, I didn't mean to
0: interrupt. Is subcutaneous fat? Subcutaneous. Okay. So subcutaneous fat is the fat you've known your whole life. That is the fat that gives us curves. It's in our breasts. It's in our butt. It gives us cellulite. It's cosmetically distressing, but it's not that dangerous in modest amounts. okay? Okay. Visceral fat above a certain level becomes an inflammatory organ pumping out cytokines leading to chronic inflammation, insulin resistance, increasing risk of diabetes, hypertension, stroke, all the chronic, you know, inflammatory diseases. And so women who do the following have a much lower chance of developing this visceral fat shunt. okay? Okay. One hormone replacement therapy in the form of estrogen plus or minus progesterone, not testosterone. Okay. Okay. Number two, not to say there's not a benefit for testosterone for other things, but not for that. Number two is fiber, watching your fiber intake, getting at least 25 grams per day for a woman. I think it's about 38 for a man in case you have any male listeners. Uh, number three is both aerobic and I mean, these are no brainers. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. now remember, we're lo- our body wants to shed muscle. It is a hormone phenomena. You have got to work to hang on to it. And so making sure you're getting adequate protein, women who have one to 1.5 grams per kilogram of lean body mass, and this is all built into the program, have less visceral fat because they have more muscle. Okay. Yeah. And doing consistent resistance training at least two days a week of upper body, lower body and core as well as cardio. So cardio is to keep, our. you know, I'm like, I tell our followers and my students and my patients, stop exercising to be skinny. Take that out of your mind. Stop counting calories. Get that out of your head. We exercise, we move our bodies to be strong. Okay. No one cares what you look like in a bikini at 70. And that's what we're here for. (laughs) We are here for you to be living your best life. You're that woman at 70 who is kicking ass and taking names. And if you don't make the changes today, look at what your mom's going through, your aunts. You know, like, is that the life you want? Like, what behaviors do you need to adopt to get that life you want in 20 years as healthy as possible? Because the the body and the life I have now was set 20 years ago. And the body I'm going to have in 20 years, I'm making right now. That's
1: so important to take that in.
0: That's so important. We're laying the foundation for our future health, and our current and future. Stop health. making it about vanity, make it about health.
1: Totally. That's why I never like that 50 is the new 30. It's like my body, I don't want to compare my body to my 30-year-old body. I'll never be in that body again. And
0: 50, that's okay. 50, 50, 70. I'm like, you know, I'm <laughs> like, I've never been happier. I, you oh, know, my I kids, I, I am in a I am in a privileged position. My kids are thriving. They are Checking the boxes. They are happy young women who are making a difference in the world. You know, they are, you know, doing well in school. My oldest just got into medical school. She's got a plan, you know, like my youngest wants to be social media and marketing and whatever, you know, I'm just like, go girls, do you, you know, (laughs) be strong, be brave, take names, don't take no for an answer. And so, you know, I don't go to bed worrying about my kids. Thank God, you know, And I was able to walk away from a practice that was no longer serving me and open the practice of my dreams, you know, so which is menopause care. Well, that's why you're a beautiful role model, not just for your
1: daughter, your daughters, but also for the women listening in terms of what's possible and like, you know, you're you're so lit up though. Like you're clearly on a mission and you're gonna leave no woman behind. Like that's the energy I get. I love it. And I think you want to bring the doctors along next. But um, let me ask, does the program address so I feel like we hear a lot about perimenopause and menopause? There's postmenopause, but is that technically technically just menopause? And this helps those women? Cause I've had women write me right. and say, so, Where was this information for me nine years ago? Like right. I can't lose the weight so. still.
0: This is gonna help them or this is, you know, the book is helpful for everyone. Um, even even your partners, even your sons, even your, you know, because for most households, the the you know, the mom is usually running the kitchen still, not in every household. Yep. And so they're calling me and being like, My husband lost more weight than me. <laughs> on the plan. Yeah. On the I was gonna, that's one of my questions. Yeah, like he's eating what I'm eating because I'm cooking. And he's like, look at me, you know, of course, because he's a man. <laughs> like, And so, but when I say menopause, like everyone's getting tied up in the terminology, the actual menopause is one day in your life. It is one year exactly after your last menstrual period ends. Okay. 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 That is the clinical definition. And then the rest of your life is postmenopause. So when I say menopausal, I use it as a catch-all, you know. Got it. So this is in fact for
1: all of us, perimenopausal, any stage. stage. So I did have that question because I have a teen, she's 14, I wouldn't have her do the intermittent fasting that's built in. And you mm-hmm. you, you note that in the book anyway. But the but teaching the,
0: the, her about anti-inflammatory nutrition, yes, I mean, but she can eat like that, this with me. Yeah. Laying that foundation down would yeah. be amazing. Like, you know, teaching her the benefit of why not just like each vegetables are good for you, but like there's science in there about, you know, anthocyanins and sulfururephanes and like like these chemical these parts of the vegetables and the fruits and the legumes and the seeds and the nuts that Keep you healthy and feed, you know, teaching her about the gut microbiome and how important it is. And not to say she's never going to have a cookie or eat candy or, you know, but it's all about balance. And and the majority of what you do should be, you know, we don't want to give anybody an eating disorder or or restriction. But, you know, there's nothing wrong about teaching good nutrition to your kid just without guilt or shame.
1: Totally, totally. And I got certified as a holistic health coach about eight years ago. And I feel like I'm constantly being like, well, that's just, that's more sugar than you need. And this all this, you know, this stuff. And then part of me is like, okay, she's a teen, but I love. I could say I'm a reformed
0: almond mom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or ingredient mom. My oldest is like, you were actually more of an ingredient mom. But, you know, like they sent me a video and it was a mom. Now this is from years ago. A mom who was eating... it was pasta night at their house. And the mom in the video was on TikTok was eating sauce and salad. And I have done that. And they were like, but then this woman came on after it was like a stitch. And she said, instead of like railing on the mom for not having pasta, let's rail on society for the mom feeling like she couldn't have pasta Mm -hmm. that night. Like, like she had to be a certain size. And for years before my journey into all nutrition and everything, I just wanted to be thin. Like that was how I defined my health, how I defined my self worth, how I defined how I looked was to be thin. And now, now that I have a body scanner and I see that I have low muscle mass and I'm super high risk for osteoporosis, I, if I could go back in time and let that woman eat, <laughs> let myself eat <laughs> and focus on building muscle and being stronger and not so much about looking a certain way in a dress or fitting. I mean, it's just ridiculous what we're doing to our health in order to meet some crazy society standard of beauty.
1: hundred percent, or even just how you're comfortable in your own skin. So I've always been naturally thin. And then I saw a photo of myself from the bo- from behind in the last year. And I was like, who is that? That's not me in my jeans. <laughs> like I was like, what's happening? And I started paying attention to the headaches and the What's up with the receding
0: hairline? And how do you know if some of this is genetic versus like hormonal? So so hair loss, I have a whole YouTube video on that. It's like an hour because there's so many things that feed into it. There's definitely a genetic component for some women. It could be a nutrition deficiency. It could be hormones. It could be, and so that's a very long conversation. And sometimes a dermatologist has to get involved. But like, what what kills me is like all these hair loss formulas and, and potions and lotions come up, but Emily, it might work. It just depends on, we have to figure out why this is happening to you. And some of this can overlap. So you can spend $90 a month on vitamins, but you don't have a nutrient deficiency. This is genetic and we need to treat you with spironolactone or something that's going to block the testosterone. That's why you're losing your hair, especially, you know, where you're losing it. There are, you know, dermatitis conditions there, you know, um, autoimmune conditions. My, one of my, my husband's best friend's wife was losing it in patches and she had an autoimmune disorder and had to do steroids. And, you know, so it's, it's complicated. That's it. Okay. One. Okay. The hair
1: one, I thought it was, but like, I didn't even know about the joint pain, which I've been getting too. I was like, oh, that's part of perimenopause menopause, like so helpful. But what I love about your program, Dr. Haver, is that it's not just going to help with the belly fat. It's not going to just help you get strong. It's going to help your whole health outlook. And like, it's going to help prevent potentially cancers and heart disease and stroke risk and autoimmune d- disease like that's what i took away because it's so anti-inflammatory it's high mm-hmm. in fiber my parents keep saying you need more fiber in your diet i'm like and you've got the list of the foods which i love
0: i know you say you can take a supplement but i like trying to do it with food right like like we don't supplement our way out of poor nutritional choices you're you the majority of your nutrition can come from food we supplement gaps so right. if can't get it in. It's a lot, 25 it. grams, right? Or right. like Avocados. That kind of helps me hit my goal. <laughs> right. That's like 10 day. grams
1: right there. Right. For one. Uh-huh. Right. Yes. It's like, I'm like, oh, how can I like squeeze in an avocado today? Um, I love that. Um, I want to, um, we're, we're getting close to the end. So, uh, you know, it includes intermittent fasting. Everyone can just pick up the book. It's called the Galveston diet. I'll put the links. Um, but is there anything that I didn't ask that you just re- really want to make sure the women take away from this conversation. I mean, this whole thing around perimenopause, menopause, it seems like it's it's top um, of mind now. Things
0: are it's it's having its moment, but it's what, having a moment, but don't lose the momentum. You know, you deserve a menopause that is pay, pain free. You're not hot flashing. You're sleeping every night. You know, no one expects to be 25 again. Aging is normal. Suffering is not and should never be accepted. So if you need resources if you go to our website at galvestondiet.com and just go through our blogs I have how to advocate yourself at your doctor's office what lab tests to offer here's some nutritional tips if you've got hot flashes nutritional tips if you have brain fog new free just go look read educate yourself and be you sometimes you have to be your own advocate in your healthcare provider's office and educate them I have you know, for hormone therapy, I have articles you can download, print out and take to your doctor in support of you, at least having every woman may not choose hormone replacement therapy. And I respect that your body, your choice, but you absolutely deserve the conversation. Love it. I am so grateful for your time,
1: for the work you're doing in the world. Um, You mentioned galvestondiet.com. Where else can people connect with you? And you know, you're all over social. Where do you like to hang out the most? Where should I send them?
0: These days, I hang out a lot on um, TikTok and on Instagram. Those are my two biggest, um, kind of most engaged. um, And I'm Dr. Mary Claire on those. And then on Facebook, we are, if you just put in Mary Claire Haver, it will come up. It's Mary Claire Haver, The Galveston Diet. Um, We also have a YouTube channel um, under my name and The Galveston Diet as well. And uh, we are on Pinterest. We're kind of everywhere. So the biggest where I'm like spending most of my time is Instagram and TikTok. I love what I'm not on TikTok, but I
1: love watching you on Instagram. Um, and But people should just follow her wherever you hang out because she's there. And this information is just so vital and important. And this book is, it's so easy too. It's like all the information and the recipes and how to, how to structure it. So um, thank you for what you're doing. I look forward to keep watching you and seeing what's next. And I know that you do have a plan to help educate doctors as well. I think
0: that's your next step, right? Yeah. I'm going to, um, my clinic is super successful. We actually have a hundred something plus person waiting list and I am developing a protocol a program. So I can teach other healthcare providers, the protocol on how I treat menopause and clinic. Cause we do a top to bottom nutrition, exercise supplements. If you need them, um, hormone therapy, non-hormonal, you know, other prescriptions like, and stress reduction and sleep, you know, just trying to make sure we're covering all the bases so you can be as healthy as possible.
1: I love it. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for your time today. You're welcome. Wow. I loved this conversation with Dr. Haver. All of the show notes for today can be found at thegoodlifecoach.com. You'll find a link to Dr. Haver's bestselling book, The Galveston Diet, to her website, to all her social media, to the articles that we talked about today. And it sounds like she's got a ton of information that you can access both on YouTube and also on her website. So I encourage you to do that. And I also encourage you to share this interview with every female friend you have who is either in perimenopause menopause, postmenopause, or approaching menopause. Because I think the more informed you are going into it, you don't have to navigate a lot of the struggles that a lot of women have had to do solo because they had no one to talk to about it, including, unfortunately, their own doctors. So we're seeing a common theme here with the doctors coming on the show that a lot of times Women are gaslit and they're not taken seriously. And the way we're going to change that conversation is by empowering one another with this kind of information so that we are working together to impact what we expect from healthcare and have them ultimately respond. And I'm really hopeful that this is going to happen because there's so many of these incredible doctors like Dr. Haver who are, are making a change to how the medical system is practiced and how information is disseminated. So share this interview, visit the for all the show notes and all the links, and be sure to follow the podcast on your favorite podcast player so that you get all of the upcoming interviews straight to your listening device. I've been enjoying this season and the guests that we've been having, and I hope that you have as well. And I will be back with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.